once again listening to Feel Free to Deviate, the podcast about people and their relationships with or understanding of success. Or maybe it's about my relationship with and my understanding of success. Hmm. As I say once again, I realize that there's a high likelihood that this is the first time you are listening. Welcome. I hope you stick around. My name is Jim Turbert, and I'm the host of the show. Yes, I am a podcaster. This episode features Thomas K. He makes anti-political propaganda films. You may be thinking, what the hell does that mean? And how the hell does one get a job doing that? Well, that's exactly why I asked him on. We don't go into detail about the content of his work. There's just not enough time for that. I recommend checking out that on your own. It may not be your cup of tea, but it also may open your eyes to viewpoints that never occurred to you before. The general theme of our talk is that if you spend more time working on the things that you want to do, there is a greater likelihood of those activities bearing fruit. Sound familiar? There's a common thread through some of these episodes. The dumb host is only just realizing it. Speaking of being a dumb host, I had a delightful conversation with a friend about the podcast the other day. It could have been an episode, but she said she was nervous about talking on mic. Then she proceeded to eloquently give me piles of constructive criticism. It was very good. In fact, it should become show lore. You know, like, it's a lost episode. After talking with her and with Thomas and all the others, I'm realizing how lucky I am that people are willing to share their wisdom and insight with me and with you. We are all very lucky. If you want to check out Thomas's work before or after listening to the episode, you should go to georgeoughttohelp.com. That's where his animations are. Go to sexandtaxes.georgeoughttohelp.com to learn about his current project and maybe throw him some support. He can also be found on Twitter at mormomusic. That's M-O-R-M-O underscore music. And examples of his writing can be found at blog.georgeoughttohelp.com. Okay, let's get to it. Thomas K. Hi. I invited you here to be a guest on the show because you are passionate and knowledgeable. And you have a history of making a living with said passion and knowledge. Please introduce yourself and tell me what you do or how you describe what you do to other people. We can get into the details later. <laughs> okay, so I'm Thomas Kay. I am 42 years old. I make anti-political propaganda cartoons. And that sounds, maybe, I'm thinking maybe that's a little bit of a too cute of a way of putting it, but it kind of does the job quickly. I make animations about, they're critical of the state and they are investigating the possibility of a stateless society. That's what I'm busy with at the moment. You've been busy with that for quite a while. It's in some way or another. Yeah. So I started in 2010. At that point, I was doing freelance web development work for Resource Studio, in fact, run by Reen Swagerman. Oh, ah, yeah. I know him very well. In fact, I'm using his laptop right now. <laughs> and in the evenings, I was watching YouTube videos. At the time, I was very into this back and forth that was happening between YouTubers who were atheists and YouTubers who were Christians. Basically, arguments for and against the existence of God. I found that very interesting at the time. I'm an atheist. So I was also making videos along those lines. And one of my su subscribers suggested I take a look at this video that had nothing to do with religion. And it was a video called uh, The State is a Death Threat. 
And I thought that was a very provocative title, so I watched it. It is. It made the case that, that every law that exists necessarily entails a ultimate threat of deadly violence. So every law that exists, in order for it to be effective at all, there has to be the expectation that the state will kill you before it allows you to break that law unpunished. I thought about this for a while, and this seems still to me to be a correct way of putting it. If that's the case, I believe you need to think a good deal more carefully about which laws you want the state to enforce and perhaps whether the state should exist at all, because there are some serious moral implications to to this idea, I think. So I watched this video and I thought this is a fascinating video and almost no one's going to watch this because it's far too... It's like a punch in the face. It's like it, it makes no concessions to, I think, the sensibilities of most people. I, I believe most people don't want to be challenged in such a almost a rude way mm-hmm. that this video did it. So I thought I'm going to make a video along similar lines, making a similar case, a moral argument against something important that the state does. And I'm going to package it in a much more seductive way because I think I can do that with what I know about design and visuals and so so on. What I didn't know anything about was how to make an animation, how to use After Effects. So in the evenings, I taught myself how to do that. And I I wrote a script and I kind of shopped that around to a few people to get feedback on it, see if I could tighten that up. And then I put it online when it was done. This was called George Ought to Help. That's the name of the that animation that I made. And you can find that at georgeoughttohelp.com. It's on that page. Obviously, I wanted people to see it, but it was shared much more widely than I hoped it would be. So that was really nice. That you hoped or you expected? Uh, basically, I, I expected it would be, like at best, kind of shared amongst the people who I was already following on YouTube, oh, you know, right, my right, subscribers right, right. and so on, you know, kind of that existing network that I had, I suppose. In, in fact, they turned out not to be interested at all. Uh, but it was shared much more widely outside of that. Through sharing this, I made contact with the libertarian culture, I suppose, in the US, which was something I wasn't really aware of before. Yeah, the, the success of that first video allowed me to crowdfund subsequent videos dealing with similar themes. Yes, I remember. Yeah, you were you were in one of them. I was. Jim was the voice the voice of a villain in a in a video called You Can Always Leave. You can always leave. I don't remember what my big line was, but Give me your ball. <laughs> Give me your ball. <laughs> or you'll get a beating. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of yeah. fun. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna come back to some some of the specifics about that. I asked you here because I think that you are successful. I find it amazing that you are able to make a living through all of these passion projects, mm-hmm. not just the videos. There have been other things. I did a quick Google because, you know, there are things that I forgot. I forgot the video game thing. There are scores of articles online that you've written. Yeah. Yeah. I see that you've edited Wikipedia articles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot about that. There's a there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of Thomas K stuff online. God, my footprint. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a large footprint, and you have you've become an, an an outspoken voice in your world. You've reached people outside of your world, as you just explained, and the tenacity with which you approach these things is what I think makes you successful. Like you said, you didn't know how to use this software, so you spent all your free time learning how to use this. 
by the way, After Effects is an incredibly complicated piece of software. It's super deep. It takes a lot not to give up learning After Effects. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but also researching the thing about like, like, so you, you, you did, you were working on the atheist thing. You dig deep, you come up with arguments to keep people in, engaged with the subject. You, yeah, it's, it's like it, my motivation was, uh, I was interested in figuring out what was reasonable actually, uh, and what wasn't right. So, uh, I didn't expect to be convinced of God existence. Uh, I wasn't, but I was interested in figuring out which of the arguments for the existence of gods or which of the arguments for the non-existence of gods were reasonable. So that was kind of a motivation for that. And for the the anarchist stuff that came after it, I suppose. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm really fascinated by trying to figure out what it is reasonable to believe and what are the, what are the reasons that such and such a belief may not be justified. That's an enduring interest of mine, I suppose. You were saying the tenacity to get these things done. The tenacity with which you engage in any any of these subjects is, for lack of a better phrase, it's next level. Most people, when they when they get involved with a subject, it's casually. They might read an article. I read this book, How to Change Your Mind. Mm-hmm. When you get involved with something, you find the arguments for and against, and you build a case around your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Or you just dig deep into the source of the material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For instance, and I don't know if, let me know if you don't want to talk about this, one of your passions, or at least one of your previous passions that you dug into deeper than anyone that I know is cryptocurrency. I remember specifically way back in the day before anybody, any normal person knew what a Bitcoin was. We were at the the swings on Matanesserplein and you said, oh, have you read anything about Bitcoin? And at this point, I think Bitcoins were worth $7. Mm-hmm. And you were going into it and explaining it to me and do it. So you did all this research and all this stuff. And, and most people are just like, oh, that's hard. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it sounds interesting. And then, but nobody was interested until the price jumped up to 400 bucks. Sure. Yeah. And now we know where the price is today. Yeah. I was, I, I've been very lucky in various ways. Um, and, and that, but I'll qualify that. You can, I also believe it's possible to increase your chances of getting lucky by doing stuff. You know, the, the idea of uh, attack surface, an attack surface of an organization or a system. I'm not familiar like with that term. So as I understand it, it's something along the lines of uh, like the sum total of all the ways that that system could be attacked or compromised somehow, right? So it's like the bigger your attack surface, the worse situation you're in as a, as a, as a maintainer of a system okay. or organization. And like kind of parallel to that, you could think of something like a serendipity surface like uh like you you increase your uh chances of getting lucky somehow the bitcoin thing the reason that i knew about bitcoin relatively early was that someone who'd watched one of my videos sent me a message saying hey look into this i'd like to organize crowdfunding for one of your videos in bitcoin so that's that was my introduction to it and how i learned about it by by doing stuff that you put out in the world somehow you each time you do that, you increase your chances of more stuff coming to you. That's 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 one of those examples. So yeah, one of the big things that wasn't anything I planned to do, but one of the things that has worked out very positively for me is there's a kind of compounding that happens. Each early thing you do, that especially if you do it in such a way that your work is out there in the world, like this podcast is, incidentally, mm-hmm. each thing you do like that 
it's kind of it's 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 out there forever, and it's ideally you or hopefully you have a kind of compounding of opportunity that happens through that. Yes, I, I that one of my previous guests. I don't know if you've listened to any of the podcasts, but a, a woman named Rebecca was talking about how she just sort of gets involved with these things that she's really interested in, and then you mm-hmm. know maybe she meets someone, or maybe it connects to this, that, or the other thing, and it's the same principle. Mm-hmm. If you yeah, this, yeah, if you yeah. follow passions, there's a high. Well, there is a good chance that it could lead to something else, whether it's meaningful employment or financial gain. Right. You, for, for me, the the financial gain is great, but I think that the sense of satisfaction is is probably more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For me too. I'm 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 not well off. <laughs> I'll I'll put it that way. But I I do feel very grateful for the situation I'm in in lots of ways. Yeah. It's it's I don't know if it's right to call it a platitude, but there's another like piece of wisdom that I think about quite often, and that's the idea that you should do what you want to spend more time doing. Right. Uh, so you know, if if I want to spend more time making propaganda videos, I should make my first propaganda video. Yeah, you got to do it. For instance, yeah, you got to do it. And you know, things tend to work in such a way that you'll have a much higher likelihood of continuing to do that and being able to continue to do that if you've begun doing that, you know? Yeah, I, you know. I think that that is sort of a platitude, but I also think that these trite, they exist for a reason. It's not, yeah. you can easily dismiss them, but you know, even something as simple as all you need is love. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. that sounds pretty stupid, but really, you know, mm-hmm. war can end if you want it to. Like that, that's, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds like something a child would say because maybe, it's true, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the psychedelic books make that case really strongly. I think that that, that those that those uh, that those things are revealed to you very powerfully in those moments, and they're the most trite sounding things in the world, and and they're true. And sharing yeah. it sometimes might make you seem like an idiot, mm-hmm. but really, it's not. That doesn't make it untrue. Yeah, yeah. I think there's 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 a skill to uh, to reconnecting with the, with the truth of these. Uh, seemingly trite uh, sayings that we have. In fact, I think that the example that I just used, the, the John Lennon example, may have been used in that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. What's the guy's name? <laughs> Michael Pollan. That, that, that's not the Monty Python guy, is it? No, no, no. Same name, though, <laughs> right? No, no, it's Paul, Paul uh, Len. I think he's Paul Long. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> How to change your mind. How to change your mind. I think it's Michael Pollan. Right. Um, anyway, it's a great book. <laughs> so you're talking about Bitcoin. So yeah, I, I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is that the that whatever crypto success you've had is sort of emblematic of your overall success. It serves as a reward for your intellectual curiosity as well as proof of your beliefs. Right. Yeah. You could you could look at it that way. Yeah. I do look at it yeah. that way. Do you do you think of yourself as being a successful person? No. But then I'm not sure that I could really, I was thinking about this a little bit before today and, and I don't really know what success means in that sense, mm-hmm. in, in the sense that I think, you know, in this context, when, where success does mean something very clear to me, it's, it's in the context of a very specific goal with a clear success condition, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I like, that. like, uh, we're going to win this game of football, for instance, right. or whatever it is. Goal accomplished. Yeah. So uh, beyond that, I don't know how useful it is. I suppose 
the concept of success is useful at least as a kind of prompt to reflect on what's important to you in life and what whether you're currently doing the most you could be in order to further the values you have. Yeah. Like it's useful in that way. I don't know if it's useful in the sense of uh, you know this or that person is successful or is not yet successful or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. there are you can divide your life up into as many kind of axes as you want and <laughs> and talk about whether you're successful in each of them. Yeah, I suppose the that impulse to reserve it, the word success, to talk about very specific goals, that kind of maybe maps onto my short-sightedness, I suppose. Like since it feels almost like when I'm working on something, when I'm investigating something, I can be quite blinkered in the sense that I'm very narrow-mindedly focused on that one thing ah. and finishing that finishing that one thing, for instance. And you know, you have these you have these kind of uh life development systems where, which talk about the importance of formulating five-year goals and 10-year goals, this kind of thing. Yes. You know, that that sounded like a good idea to me, but it's not something that fits at all with how I work, I suppose. I want to get completely into the thing I'm doing, and after that, I'll see what's next. It's a bit like that. Right on. Yeah, I have a hard time dealing with the five, 10-year plan things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it goes back to childhood or whatever, but it's just not something that I've ever been able to do. Yeah. To me, there's something a little bit sad about it. I don't know if this is really fair, but I I get this sense that you're kind of foreclosing the possibility of being surprised by, you know, (laughs) where you might end up going, you know? Right. Have you failed then? If you, you know, if you divert into something very unexpected, but very fulfilling, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. That about by some, by some definitions, I suppose that would be a failure, especially if you're trajectory is one that looks like i'm going to go to harvard and you don't get into harvard (laughs) yeah 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 if you let that destroy your life then yeah that sounds like a way you could fail quite badly in 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 a a big sense of fail yeah letting that kind of trap happen yeah Yeah. i don't think that not getting into harvard is the failure there letting it no no that's not the failure failure right right it's what it does to your sense of your ability to do things in the world that would be the failure yeah if you don't think of yourself as being a successful person, or if you don't feel that, and I agree with you, I think that the way you just put it is is really great that you can be successful in projects and not successful overall. Like, like what does that even mean? Yeah, it's like what it, what does it mean? It's more like more that more that yeah. Like according to who and what does it mean? Yeah, it's like asking someone if they're happy, right? And is it really that? I mean, you know, if you're if you're a supervillain. Maybe happiness doesn't come into it. Maybe you're successful if you've, you know, eliminated life on Earth or something like that. Who knows? I mean, the the, the goal to eliminate life on Earth seems really just kind of crazy. Yeah, but you know, you gotta have goals. I think that revenge is 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 a more powerful driver for a supervillain. Yeah, sadism is good too. Sadism and revenge. I guess if you are also truly self-loathing, then eliminating all life on Earth could. Yeah, I guess that works. Oh, anyway, I guess my point is that just looking from the outside, I consider you a successful person because regardless of any financial gain you've had through through your research, you found a way to crowdsource your projects. You found a way to, you, you got involved with this video game company and you you, you helped make this video game. You, you get involved in these things and you find a way for each of them to either increase your notoriety <laughs> or, or, or broaden your, your, your audience. I think it's great and it's remarkable and it must be nice to, 
I guess you're in a way you're beholden to your patrons, but I think that they also expect you to not be beholden to anybody. They, they rely on you, whether people agree with you or not, they, they, people know, I know, I feel like whether I agree with you or not, I can, I can trust that the information that you're giving me has been well-researched and thought about. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not casual, you know, lizard person (laughs) stuff on, on Facebook. You know what I mean? Yeah, or maybe it's just a different kind of lizard person, slightly more reflective. <laughs> well, I prefer amphibian person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like I get I get stuff wrong all the time too. Of course you do. You're a human. But I I take take some pride in in kind of correcting it when I when I figure it out. But that's the other thing. I also I feel like I feel like you 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 readily admit when you don't know something. You're both passionate and and tenacious about putting your beliefs forward Mm -hmm. and you can argue them perhaps better than anybody yeah yeah i guess i like it i I like doing that and i i suppose that's uh that's one of the things i'm i'm grateful for that that i can make something approaching a living doing something that relates so closely to investigating arguments evidence and trying to make sense of it that's fascinating to me what you said about my patrons and the the extent to which you become possibly captive in a way once you have a a body of patrons they hope that you're going to do a particular kind of thing Mm -hmm. and you know so the the hope is that the the particular kind of thing my patrons want from me is is something that's compatible with this impulse i have to try to be fair-minded towards all these ideas out there you know it's difficult to know the extent to which that's true i wouldn't completely rule it out that i go on to do something that ends up losing me patrons to a significant degree, which would be a shame. But yeah, we'll see if, the, if, it ever, if it ever comes to that. It would be a shame, yes. But I get the impression that you don't seem to mind that. I'm not busy on mm. social media at all, but I, sometimes I check in and I read the comments and I've seen arguments that you've had with people that perhaps you've had relationships with over the years and you you stick to your guns, whether this person who you've been allied with is on the complete mm-hmm. opposite end of, of the scale. You're not going to be like, I guess maybe you're right. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, agree, agree to disagree. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you're, you're mm-hmm. sort of unflinching in that regard. And it's kind of, it's kind of, well, I suppose it, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's both, uh, yeah. it's, it's an, it's an incredible strength that I think that most people do not have, but it can also maybe alienate a bit. And I, I don't know, Absolutely. maybe, maybe it causes hard feelings for you and for others. But it's uh, yeah, yeah. It serves you well in what you do. It does. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, I I I've, I suppose I have mixed feelings about it. I don't see that ever likely to change. But it's um, yeah. It's it's it definitely alienates people, which in itself ends up making some things harder for me. I'm sure. And it's it's a shame to make people feel that way too. On the other hand, you can also see it as a kind of very hard filter. The people who are still friends with you after all this, they're the good ones. Like me. <laughs> like you. <laughs> so far. <laughs> hey, give me a week. Give me a week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't really know what I think about that. I don't know. It's not something I would, uh, that I'm confident enough to, to say, yeah, this is a really good idea. Be like this. But it's, yeah, it's something that I also feel a little bit helpless to, to change, actually. Well, I I think that there's no actual key to success, but I do think that in in the case of you, it is it is one of the key ingredients to what makes your career 
work. If you didn't have mm-hmm. that, then you would just be another art school guy with a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something to noticing ways that you're different to other people and leaning into that. Right. There is such a thing as a as a niche. And especially if you can do that in a way that you are also putting yourself or your work out there somehow, mm-hmm. that might be a good idea. Right on. Where does the tenacity come from? I know very little about your childhood. Mm. Do you want to talk about a little bit about where you come from? Like if you could just <laughs> yeah. give me the, the, the basic, you know, young Thomas was in England and then he did the blah, 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 blah. All right. Yeah, I grew up in England uh, with my brother and mother. Uh, my mom and dad separated when I was quite young. I lived with my, my my grandparents helped in the caregiving. My grandparents on my mother's side. My mother's side is Polish, uh, so I'm I'm half Polish. I have a Polish name. I grew up in Yorkshire. I went to art school. I gave up art in disgust upon graduation. Oh, graduation, because it, that's, that was the moment that, you know, the, the nice stuff of making paintings, in my case, connected with this networking stuff, which I really disliked, this kind of visceral horror of, of trying to sell myself to curators and so on. So I didn't want any more to do with that. I taught myself how to make websites and lived with my mum while I looked for work in London. My partner who is Dutch, came and lived with me together in London. Uh, and after we'd had enough of that, we moved to the Netherlands. Uh, that's, that's the short version. Have you always had the urge to convince people of your point of view? Yeah, maybe I have. Maybe I have. I, I, don't, I, I don't have any anecdotes to hand about how this manifested. There was, there was no pivotal moment. Not that, I can, not that I can put my finger on quickly, no. I think I've always been kind of a contrarian. I kind of liked, and I still like, I suppose, the kind of tension of there being some kind of narrative or some kind of claim out there in the world that a lot of people are in agreement with, and there being a really good reason why this is not true, likely not true. Like that, that's, that's something that I'm really attracted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yeah, there could be lots of reasons for that. I don't know. That's not necessarily a noble thing. No, um, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say that it is. No, no, it is a character trait. Yeah, I'm just wondering where it comes from because it's not something that yeah. that I personally have. I, I'm I'm more than mm-hmm. happy to bring up a point in opposition, but it's not something that I go out of my way to do. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I do. I guess I have that. It, it, it's there's there's something almost thrilling about it. There's a chance that what you have to say, or this this argument that you, this information that you've gotten from various places, that it could make a difference. That that's kind of an exciting possibility to me, I suppose. Okay, so how important is winning the argument? Um, is it sport? It's uh, it's it is sport. There is a big sport element in it for me. I think in in terms of how how my how cognitively I respond to this kind of situation. Uh, but it's a sport that doesn't have a win condition. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, it's more like, you know, practicing with a yo-yo or something. I don't know, something like that. Because <laughs> the, the, typically, as anyone who's had an argument online knows, uh, you don't convince the other person. No. That's very, very rare, at least. Almost never online. Perhaps more so in, in face-to-face, depending on how you do it. But most, most of my antagonistic or, you know, at least 
my 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 contact with people in which we disagree. Most of that happens online. Yeah, and at least in that uh, in that environment, you typically end with uh, either just flat disengagement or <laughs> or on name calling first. Yeah, that happens a lot. That happens a lot. So that's not a particularly satisfying uh, victory in either case. But I suppose what what's what's in it for me, apart from the idea that people watching might be influenced by this because it's not usually about the person you're talking with it's usually about the people who are also a party to the conversation if it's in some kind of public forum mm-hmm. apart from that there's the possibility that you will learn stuff in the course of trying to make this particular argument and that happens all the time for me i'm i'm learning constantly about about the things that i thought i knew about and that's that's also a really rewarding process that's actually interesting to, to hear because one of the one of the things that I have noticed particularly particularly about online arguments is that most people are woefully unprepared to argue their point of view, and all they have is anecdotal evidence or um, emotional driven arguments, which I, I'm not going to discount those because I also think that I, I I know that you come from the logical Vulcan sort of point of view. <laughs> but it's i i i sincerely believe that there are there are merits to both sides of the equation and that logic is almost unassailable except for there just i feel like there are a lot of there are too many variables like to take emotions out of the equation people's observations sometimes don't necessarily fit into a logical argument but it's really hard to argue with a logical argument i i i suppose that you probably don't agree with that uh i don't I don't know that I disagree totally. I think there's such a thing as I don't know if this is the right the right way of using the term, but like embodied uh, knowledge or embodied wisdom. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good particularly, one. Particularly, I can see a, like a plausible story where you have something that's evolutionarily important, something that's adaptive that manifests itself in ways that people think that might be a very good uh, heuristic. And that in itself is reason to give it some weight already. Mm-hmm. So the fact that a person is feeling a certain way and might not be able to articulate verbally why, why this is the case. Most of the time. Yeah, that's often. Well, maybe not with your crew. You, you probably have a very, very <laughs> learned and prepared crew, but I don't. <laughs> I, it, it, it happens a lot, for sure. And, and it's, it's not that those feelings are not evidence, you know? I don't think they're very strong evidence, but mm-hmm. it's, it's also not nothing at all. All right, right on. I can, I can, I can dig it. <laughs> One of the many things I found online when I when I briefly Googled you last night to see what you've been up to, mm-hmm. there are a lot of articles online that you wrote. You were active on Medium for a while. One of the one of the things I read one article about sleep hygiene. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting article, and I think it could be helpful for for a lot of people. It's not a problem that I really have because I'm one of those people that lays down and I'm asleep nice. in five minutes. That's and great. My wife hates it because she is not that person. Yeah, yeah. When I was in school, yeah. I used to sleep through fire alarms. I am oh, perfect. For the most part, I sleep through the night. I fall asleep quickly and I sleep through the night. Blue light doesn't phase me. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty great. But I also understand that a lot of people, especially people who are constantly staring at computer screens, have issues. Yes, yeah, somehow, somehow. <laughs> Talk yeah. about endocrine problems. <laughs> um, anyway, the article 
there are lots of great things in it, but the part that I want to focus on is that you described yourself as having a problem of giving too many fucks, which, <laughs> which I think is a great way to describe you. <laughs> I've always been amazed, like wh whether it was with the atheist thing or the, the tax thing or the crypto thing or, mm -hmm. or the anti-state thing or any of the stuff that you mm -hmm. talk about or believe in. Mm-hmm how much energy does it take for you to try to convince people that you're right? Like it must be exhausting. <laughs> that's an interesting way of framing it. That it's like, that's what my life is. Just trying to persuade people that I'm right. <laughs> and it's, I, I can't deny it either. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's a thing. It's uh it's, a, it's a huge cost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, really. But I just think it's it's very self-aware of you to describe yourself in an article. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was perfect. I was trying to come up with I was trying to come up with a way to say it, and then I was like, oh wait, he already described himself <laughs> in a very very brief phrase, and it's it's sort of perfect. Uh, I'm afraid it is. Yeah. It also just drives home like most people have a a, a casual involvement in things, and you have you go deep, deep, deep. Um. But also, as an aside, has nothing to do with you. Well, I mean, it has something to do with you. It has more to do with me. Another thing you mentioned in that article, it was a bit of humor. You talked about recording your thoughts and feelings or your, um, your sleep records or whatever in a notebook. Uh, and I'm going to mm -hmm. say, I guess it's the incorrect way, the, a moles, moleskin notebook oh yeah you 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 specifically left a note in there saying reminder to future thomas or past thomas it's not pronounced moleskin yeah how is it pronounced i i, I if it's not pronounced moleskin which i'm which i think it's not it must be something like uh maybe it's moleskina <laughs> that's probably what it is i have no idea <laughs> it'll always be moleskin to me <laughs> yeah this kind of sounds it sounds too right right moleskin yeah but I, it's also from yeah. scandinavia isn't it or, or is it Italian or I, it's probably Moleskine. I'm not even going to guess. Sorry. But they always, they always advertise that it's the notebook that Hemingway used. So it's got to be some European company that he discovered during the war. That was the secret to his success, of course. Oh, yeah. 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 That and standing up mm -hmm. while typing. Oh, yeah. I have a standing desk recently. I'm very happy with it. I had one when I was working with Photomat and I love it. Yeah. But I like that you can raise and lower it because I don't want to stand constantly. Yeah. No, I I tried that earlier as well with just like a stack of books. Yeah, and that was then you could, can't sit down. <laughs> it's not much fun. <laughs> not the same. Having the option is really nice. It is. Yeah, I make use of it often. The option to change it. I, I recommend it to everybody. I wish I had one here. I was thinking about buying the IKEA one. I have the Yasa one. Yasa. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm gonna write Yasa. that down. Yeah. And see. What do you think success is? That is. See, that's a good question. I think. I, I don't want to say happiness, but I just want to, like, I want a, a sense of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A sense of satisfaction. I want to feel like I'm not causing any harm. Yeah. I, I want to be physically and financially comfortable. Mm -hmm. As much as it would be great to have excess money, it's not my main goal. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a subjective thing, right? That another person wouldn't reliably be able to. Uh... Kind of identify yeah acceptance by my peer group especially in terms of you know whatever artistic projects or any sort of endeavors I, i've talked about this a couple times with with people and i've talked about how i don't like talking about my career 
while I'm dropping off the kids, you know, because that's kind of the thing. Everybody always asks you what you are, what you what do. do, you do? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what I am and I don't know what I do. And I'm trying to find I've been I, I don't I don't. Did you know that I'm, I'm unemployed now? I did. I've watched I've, I've listened to all the episodes so far. So I'm up to date. Okay, cool. So I guess I'm in a way I'm lucky that this is my midlife crisis. It's not hookers and cocaine, <laughs> but it is maybe a bit of an existential crisis. And I, I think that I'm dealing with it pretty well. Yeah. But I have moments of dread. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Me too, by the way. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think that's kind of universal though, right? I, I, I shouldn't, shouldn't. Shouldn't people shouldn't people have that? I mean, I think everybody does. <laughs> it seems like the correct correct response to uh, to living. I don't know. Maybe not everyone has that. I don't but. know, but maybe maybe everybody should have it to a certain degree. There's a lot to, to feel dread about. I think. I mean, I'm not depressed or anything, but there's just a lot to think about always. And I I don't know how you deal with it, but I think that you tend to dive more into it, and I tend to pull back from it. Like I'm. During the, the, the news cycle of the last American election, I got so frustrated with the topics. I got frustrated with the news outlets. I got frustrated with everything and it all compounds. And yes, it gives, it gives a, a, a very intense feeling of, of dread. Yeah. And so I just kind of remove myself from it. People are like, it's super important to stay on top of, of what's going on. It's, it's not, it's not, not, well, you know, it can be. I, I I strongly disagree with that. At, at least with the with the implied assumption that that what is going on equates to whatever the main news networks are saying. You know, I do know that's that's a tiny that's a tiny subset of what's going on, and uh, it's not relevant to you most of the time. Most of it is not relevant to me, and it makes me feel awful. And yeah, even even uh, even an election is not like that. You know, your your vote is vanishingly insignificant inconsequential especially given the american system i I voted for biden not because i love joe biden but because he was you know it's always it's always it always comes down to the the lesser of two evils evil as a concept is silly but i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) like i i i tend to agree more with joe biden than i agree with the other one or i think that he does the proscribed job of president better than the other guy did yeah yeah did you see he well go ahead related to this um uh so we talked earlier about sleep hygiene i want to raise the the idea of meme hygiene okay so brian kaplan an economist wrote a piece i don't have a link for it but it had it was about the costs of voting in an election and for him the main cost of it so you know the chance of it being helpful is is, is very very tiny mm-hmm. you know, politically it's not going to be decisive it does have a big cost and the cost is that a set of memes takes up residence in your head ah almost inevitably by the act of voting you become invested in the outcome in a way that you wouldn't have been otherwise so all of a sudden you you have let a piece of the world into your mind that perhaps needn't be there actively makes one unhappy yeah but that was that was in talking about how in how how little it means that was my point of going off about choosing joe biden in the election yeah at being registered to vote in massachusetts the way the american system works there was no way that Massachusetts was going to go to Trump. So I could have voted for you and Biden still would have won Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. You just, you almost, it, it yeah. really comes down to these the swing states. The swing states. Everyone knows how Massachusetts is going to go. Everyone knows how California is going to go. Everyone knows how New York is going to go. 
Yeah. I like I think I think that's a quite quite an important idea and something that I don't always manage to do but to get the idea that you're a curator of what goes in your head mm-hmm. uh and to be uh intentional about that I think that's a good idea to to keep in mind. We actually live in a time where it's it's fairly easy to have a a constant flow of good things going into your brain. <laughs> I'm not saying that you should isolate you should never look at the bad stuff. I'm not saying that you shouldn't look at the news and 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 see that that bad things are happening. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that every single development in every horrible horrific story needs to be consumed. No. To the extent that success can be kind of rescued as a as a as a term that means something useful. Something like the 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 degree to which you live intentionally. That that seems like a quite a good candidate for me. I knew I could count on you for coming up with good definition. <laughs> I don't know. I, I at least wouldn't be embarrassed by using that one. No, neither neither would I. In fact, I might adopt it. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll give you credit every time I say it. <laughs> you as, don't have to. as Thomas K says. <laughs> all about living intentionally man <laughs> i want to ask you do you have any recommendations for potential employment for jim turbert well um not direct ones but i think what you're doing already with the podcast is a is a fantastic step i was thinking that too not not even necessarily only about employment but uh opportunity more broadly so i'm, I'm really happy to see you doing this yeah it's really cool it's a lot of work. It's much more work than I expected. I, I was saying earlier, I really, I really appreciate the the editing you're doing. It flows really nicely. Thank you. Yeah. It takes up so much time yeah. just communicating with people and including... Oh. Yeah. So I just thought of something. Can I send people to a couple of URLs? Yeah. For, for my stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to put as many as you want in the show intro or in the in the show yeah. description, but I don't know how many people actually read the descriptions. If there are certain key ones that you really want people to look at, then you should say them or I should say them in the intro. All right, I'll, I'll say it now and you, we decide, you decide what to do with it. All right. Um, so right now I'm, I'm working on an animation called Sex and Taxes. I'm still looking for people who are interested in backing the project so that their names will be in the credits. You can find the, the page where you become a supporter of that project if you Google for sex and taxes without spaces, mm. and then it's the first result. If you want to see my animations in general, the ones that already exist, you can go to georgeoughttohelp.com, and there you'll see a few of them and a link to a, a more comprehensive list. Yeah, and you should do that whether you're going to support or not because it's interesting to see what this guy actually does. The videos are quite good and they're they're easily digestible. It's not like he said, you know, his inspiration was to to make something that people were willing to watch and consider as opposed to some sort of attack of brutal knowledge from an <laughs> expert. <laughs> it's quite accessible is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I hope you enjoy them. And that, that guy that took that wanted the ball, his voice sounds like silk. It's beautiful. That angel, the angel choir. Heavenly. It's so good. It's good stuff. And um, I don't know. Are, are we done? Yeah, I think we're done. I, I really appreciate you doing this, Thomas. And uh, I think that it's good that you do what you do. And uh, I wish we could have done it in person. Yeah. But maybe uh, someday. Yeah, someday. We can see each other again. (laughs) I enjoyed it too, Jim. Thanks for having me on. 
What a great conversation. Thomas's definition of success being the degree to which you live intentionally is now my definition of success. He still gets the credit, but I'm going to say it way more than he does. Also, the concept that putting your work out there increases your serendipity surface or your ability to generate luck is a fantastic concept. Can you still call it luck when you're doing the work? I don't know. But as far as I can tell, Thomas and his gigantic digital footprint have created a fairly wide serendipity surface. I'm so glad I'm doing this. It's, it's very therapeutic and I'm learning from all these people. Thank you to Thomas and all of my previous guests and my future guests and the listeners. Everybody, thank you to everybody. Side note, we referenced the book How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan a few times during our conversation, seemingly without context. Thomas and I talked about it briefly before the episode, and I think that's where I got the John Lennon example. It's not plagiarism if I tell you about it here, right? Anyway, if Michael Pollan wants to be a guest, I'd love to have him. Michael, reach out. It'll be great for your career. I'm going to wrap this up. Check out the show on Instagram and Facebook. The handle is at feelfreetodeviate. Go to feelfreetodeviate.com if you want to go to another website. Home base for Thomas is georgeoughttohelp.com and his other links are in the show notes. The next episode will be a conversation with Robin. Well, I think it will be. She's on the schedule. She takes pictures of food, but she didn't always do that. I'm hoping that she tells us a bit about how it all happened. Thanks for listening to Feel Free to Deviate. The next episode is in two weeks. Until then, I hope you enjoy your serendipity surface. Surface.